Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Plain. M.I.P. Ladies and gentlemen, we have with us two very distinguished individuals to talk about a subject that has gotten uh, a great deal of attention over the past um, over the past few days. But we're happy to have with us the founding director of Encuentro Diaspora Afro, Yvette Lepolata Modestin, and also the a social worker and activist board member of Encuentro, uh, Anne Hernandez. Welcome to both of you uh, to make it plain. How are you both? Great, great, great. And, and it's a pleasure to have you. So our topic today is color ain't in the heights. A uh, lot of conversation about this movie. Lynn manuel has apologized. Rita Moreno has apologized. A lot of apologies going around. Um, but we've got to deal with this there. Well, I, I won't say it. I'll let them say it first. Let me just let me start with you, Sister Yvette. Um, first of all, let's let's not assume everybody is is fully up on the controversy and what's what's been reported on the past few days. Can you tell us about that, if you would? Yes, yes Mark. Mark. First, first, uh, thank, you thank you for inviting us uh, to share. Uh, to share. Um, we're really excited to be here. Uh, you know, I am as someone who uh, is a fan of your work. You know, the the direct answer to that is the the anti-blackness that uh, is the, you know, this film presents. Um, when you, uh, people are at saying there's not Afro-Latino representation, true. But to me, the whole film is filled with Afro-Latino representation. There's not black representation. There's not another, the deeper version, the extended version, the rooted version of Latin America, which is an African Black 
uh, representation. Um, and what the film does is whitewashes and allows Latino-ness to sit in a whiteness with a sense of white supremacy and white privilege that excludes the voices and the visual um, and the history and the story of those of us who are of African descent and move in and out of this so-called Latino space as black women. So the film silences our voice, silences our presentation, um, and it allows this narrative that Latino looks only like this to continue which I think creates a major disservice uh, in what we, as we think about liberation, um, as we enter into our first Juneteenth that has passed a, a, a federal law, is that we are all people of African descent in the same struggle, um, seeking the same outcome. I mean, I'll give Anne, you know, uh, an opportunity to speak since I just did, um, so folks can also hear from her, um, because I think the reason um, I think it's important to hear it from an Afro-Panamanian woman uh, who sits in the world, but I think it also speaks directly to the community uh, that the uh, film is based on, which is the Dominican Republic and, and is Afro-Dominican. So I think to hear from a Dominican is also very important directly, you know, from that, the, within that community. Yeah, no, and I, I as Yvette mentioned, the, the controversy as I see it is, is the lack of representation of, of Latinos of a darker complexion and more specifically in lead roles. Um, and I apologize for the bells ringing behind me. Um, but it's, it's, it was an opportunity to really highlight. And when I, you know, I, I told Yvette, I wasn't, I was not going to watch the movie when I saw the trailer because I felt like, here we go once again, this is how they're representing Latinos. Um, and it wasn't until my sister invited me to go see it that I went to see it. And as I watched it, I was, I was highly disappointed um, that in a place where my aunt lives, no one looked like my aunt, um, you know, in, in Lee roles. So that's, that's the major, I mean, that is the, the context um, of the controversy. No. And one, one of the, the, the controversy also highlights the hypocrisy that sits within the Latino community because we fight with they, you, there's this sort of fight with Hollywood for more Latino representation and more Latino roles. But then when those appear, you still show this Latino version that fits within society's views, uh, that sits within Hollywood's views, that goes, uh, you know, what and then says to us is that, you know, you know, we don't want to show you. You know, but there's this famous Puerto Rican poem is like, you may not want to show this, but I'm going to ask you, what does your grandmother look like? <laughs> you know, y tu abuela donde esta? You know, so however, the, the, we all come in all shades and in, 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 in the community, there is uh, uh, indigenous history, there's African history, and there's European history. But we need to know that in our region, in Latin America, in the Caribbean, there's 200 million plus people of African descent. When you talk about people of African descent, it is out of Nigeria, it is Brazil, it is Colombia, it is Ecuador, 
it is the U.S., it is Santo Domingo, and it is Haiti. So, you know, to continue to misrepresent the history of this region is to continue to say um, you don't matter, and then our response is Black Lives Matter, Las Vidas Negras Importa. Why do you think if the movie was done this way. What do we know about those who produced the movie that would allow them to uh, erase um, the diversity of of the community? You know, I, I mean, there, there, there's some obvious ways in which we are represented in the media. Um, and I was trying to even look at deeper at the, just the different parts of the movie. Like for example, the director is not a Latino. Um, the main choreographer was not a Latino. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and all of those things make me wonder, how are we supposed to put our stories out there when those in charge don't really know it? So it, it's, it's, you know, it, it is trying to appeal to the wrong masses. Um, and it's again, it's the message of your story is not worth being told through your eyes because it may not be as accepted. You know, and my question is, you know, when, when we get to be the ones in charge, like Manuel and Miranda, when we have other Latinos in charge of, of producing something, when is it that we're going to get someone who's going to say, I am not going to do this? unless it represents all of us. And until that happens, we will continue to have this conversation. It's like, I feel like we need, we really need someone who is going to stand up um, and until that happens, this is going to continue to happen again. You know, Mark, I wanna pick up really quick from, and it's, it's what this is doing once again, at least for me, I've been doing this, pushing this conversation because this is my truth. This is what I live, especially when I came to this country um, from Panama and would be told that I was too black to be this and not black enough to be that. So this conversation is not just something I have studied, and, but I live it. And what Latinos have been avoiding is to think that white supremacy is a conversation that Latinos need to have, don't need to have. And this is saying white supremacy is a conversation that Latinos need to have. So why did this happen? It's because white supremacy lives within the Latino community, which allows folks to see through those eyes first and foremost, which then blinds them of themselves because this also speaks to the internal racism that exists. So anyone that was on that set and you know may have come from a darker place you know they had to have known or felt some kind of energy behind where are those and then the fact that when you do present um a black woman you know a half hour or so into the film she's in the salon arguing with someone which falls into the stigma that every black woman gets of you're loud and you're aggressive so you know, we need to be a little bit more sensitive of who the audience is, who the audience could possibly be. I mean, when he is speaking and narrating the film to those young kids, not one of those kids 
looked mixed in any way, like none. So, you know, what does that mean? You know, I have a friend um, whose son goes to school in that area and they did a premiere of the film and he was like, Washington Heights, you know, that doesn't look like Washington Heights. So you have kids that are from Washington Heights that are also saying this does not look like Washington Heights. Yeah, and the, yeah. the truth, Mark, is that all of us have um, blind spots, um, but far too many have blinders, you know, and, and, and we really need to start having a conversation about those blinders um, in order to, to take the conversation where it needs to go and, and to make the changes that we need to make. More MIP after this message. You mentioned the sister you know, who the, the sister of color who shows up in the movie and then she's boisterous and argumentative. Mm -hmm. So I think we do have to acknowledge that Hollywood is still not controlled by us. And that is the formula for all movies. Back mm -hmm. in the day, that, that's the character known as Sapphire. Mm -hmm. So there's mm -hmm. got to be a black woman in every woman. First of all, the first person is get killed, has to get killed in every movie, has to be black. These are just Hollywood yeah. mantles. And it's got to be this loud, out of control, dark-skinned black woman. Never light-skinned black woman. It's got to be a loud, and never loud, out of control white woman. Mm -hmm. But there's just got to be that. So it's as if they even uh, um, superimpose that mm -hmm. on this movie and in the Heights. But but I want to ask you this: um, Is I mean we know part of this is Hollywood, but how much of what in the heights is ref reflects is also reflected within the community itself number 1 and is that exacerbated by being here in america or is it worse back home i mean where where does that come from uh cuz we i mean we also know people come to america and sometimes the racism and or internalized racism gets even worse but I don't want to presume that that's even true. That's why I'm asking you all, what's it like back home? How much does the the lack of diversity in this movie reflect the tensions here in America and back home as well? That's why we're here. That's why we're here with you. That's the simple answer. Then the complex answer then is the extended answer is absolutely. That's why when I came, I would stand in front of black folks who were from Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico and, and they would be speaking in Spanish and I would speak to them in Spanish and they would be like, oh, I thought you were black. I said, what just happened? You do, you know, like literally, but I'm from Panama. Can I just say I'm from Colon? And if you are from Colon, Panama, you know you black because we are all about our loving our blackness, being our blackness, shining our blackness. So that was not a confusion. I grew up in and Popagi speak to a whole nother story um, for, for Dominican Republic. So I function, I go out of, I, when I get up in the morning, when I walk out in the streets, I'm a black woman who was born in Latin America and speaks Spanish, but I live a black experience. So this movie highlights the racism that exists both here in the U.S and in the home countries. And if you want to be historical about the, the, country, the, the location that is centered in the film, Dominican Republic, 
and then Anne can you know can speak more on it. It is one of the most complex internally racist spaces in the region because for them historically with the killing of Haitians, black means you're Haitian. Um, and that runs deep. That is something that is taught and felt. So I want Ant to speak on it because that is, the, so you have a, the community that is centered on struggles with their African history, considering they are one of the largest points of entry of enslaved Africans. And then, you know, you have this complexity with IAD, uh, which they feel enslaved them instead of occupied them and freed them. So the history is even taught twisted. So, and you know what? Let me let you talk because you're the Dominican in the room. <laughs> Usually I have to do that, but I'm with, you know, my sis, my soul sister today. So, you know, Mark, the question of, is this a, um, a representation of what happens even in our home countries? I haven't been to DR in, in over 15 years, but I know that racism, um, it's hidden under classism. So um, you don't talk about it that much, but you feel it and you see it um, all the time. And I know that moving to the United States, all of a sudden um, people were trying to figure out what I was and who I was. Um, and like Yvette, my fellow Dominicans who lived in the country here will say you don't look Dominican, which was um, striking to me that my own people say you don't look Dominican until I spoke Spanish. And then black Americans, once they realized that I spoke Spanish, all of a sudden I wasn't part of that crew. So there is something that happens because, you know, up to the age of 12, I was just Dominican. And then moving to the United States, all of a sudden everybody wants to categorize me. So something does happen when you move to, to the United States as a, as a black um, Latina um, and, and in who claims, you know, who gets to claim you um, and who gets to, to have, you know, take credit for what you do. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but the, the, the racism and the colorism in the Dominican Republic, it's still pretty intense. Um, I even know that when our, our representative from Miss Universe, um, a couple, mm. about a year ago, being black, um, a dark-skinned Dominican, there was an uproar, a major uproar within the Dominican Republic. So I know that um, it's still still alive, you know, and it's unfortunate because um, it, it really is, it's disheartening uh, to see what we do to each other based on, on, on our complexion, whether here or in, or in the Dominican Republic. You know, Ann just said something, Mark, that, uh, you know, around, based on your question, it's, I always, I grew up as a black woman, you know, in Panama with an, because I also come from the American territory in Panama with Jim Crow laws. So I, I knew my blackness. I knew my struggle, you know, based on my family, um, um, and, and the, the segregation that we lived and that I lived um, till I was eight years old. Um, so then to come here and then to wanna just be Panamanian, it, it 
it wasn't seen or heard. So then as one of the leading voices, you know, followed by my mentor, Marta Moreira Vega, um, in the movement, it was like, okay, let me make sure people know I'm proud to be black because I was starting to see people that were like, I'm not black. And I'm like, what's wrong here? You know, so the term Afro-Latino was to say, we are black. We are African descendant. Um, and then over the years in this country, doing this work, writing about it, speaking about it, living it, traveling Latin America in my international uh, position as the diaspora coordinator of the network of Afro-Latin American, Afro-Caribbean women in the diaspora, is you go through this term and you fight for this term in this country. And then I have come full circle to just saying, what I knew when I came here and what I know now, I'm a black woman who speaks Spanish, who comes from a different cultural mix. But my black experience is of every black woman in the world. Because uh, when you see Anne from Santo Domingo, Paola from Bolivia, Lidice from Nicaragua, uh, um, Ana Irma from Puerto Rico, uh, Seria from Santo Domingo. Those are female leaders people need to know about Latin America, Valdecir from Brazil. The only difference between these women who are fighting in those countries um, is that we speak a different uh, uh, accent in our Spanish and, and in our Portuguese and in our French, but we are black women. Absolutely. So, so I need I need a little help too because and I always like the audience to be fully informed. So there is this conflict on the island between Dominicans and Haitians, correct? Yes, that, that's, that's real. I, there's not conflict. It's hate. Yeah, there's there's there's, there's, there's deep hate. It it was as far back as 2018 when the conversation about deporting Haitians who are Dominicans of Haitian descent, they lynched a man in a park in the Dominican Republic. So this ain't no conflict, this is hate. This is hate of others and in many ways hate of self because when you go to Santo Domingo or to Haiti. And if you take the border way, it is a street. It is a street that separates these two places. So okay. the, it is a deeply rooted historical hate. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, uh, um, uh, so I just want to be sure we're, we're clear on history too. Help us understand where that really comes from. What is it about that? And also, do do dark-skinned Dominicans also hate Haitians, or or what? So I can only speak. I can speak to growing up, you know. And I don't want to divert too far from the movie <laughs> as well. Okay. Um, but it is. Um, you know, in growing up in the Dominican Republic, even as a as a black Dominican, there were, you know, there were a lot of things that I heard about Haitians that were not very positive. And it wasn't until I moved to this country that I started meeting Haitians 
and thought, oh, wow, you're, you're Haitian. And we all look the same. You know, we speak different languages, but we all look the same. So it, it is, it is I, like Yvette mentioned, that there is, there is sort of a, a lack of acknowledgement of, of our African roots. And Dominicans, a lot of Dominicans, somehow want to pledge an allegiance to the so-called Spanish side of our heritage um, and, and have sort of held on to it. I'm thinking of the word aferrar. That's like when you hold on to something um, dearly and, and that's what you want to claim. Um, and, and, you know, and so it, it, is, it is an unfortunate and it's a sad and it's a, it's a hatred and, and conflict will make you think there's both sides, but this is a very one-sided um, attack um, of Dominicans, no matter the complexion. You know, and when I tell you that when I moved here, people were like, oh, you don't look Dominican. These are other Dominicans. Mm -hmm. So no matter the, your complexion, other people who looked exactly like me um, mm -hmm. were having a difficult time with it. And, and in, because I don't like, and I don't want it to, because we always get accused when we talk about this racial conversation and you speak on the Dominican Republic, they see it as anti-Dominican. No, this is not anti-Dominican. This is historical. We need to have this conversation because the Dominican Republic is a place, but you know, one of the things that people need to know before Black Lives Matter sort of became this massive movement in the US, Black Lives Matter was already being chanted in Portuguese in Brazil because black men, black boys were getting killed in the streets in Brazil. Um, and, and, and black women are, are getting killed in the streets in Brazil, you know, and I need to, as it relates to Haiti, you know, call and raise the name of my colleague, Sonia Pierre, who died in a Dominican of Haitian descent around the movement, and Marielle Franco, who died, you know, lifting her voice in Brazil. So Brazil is also dealing with this same conflict. And also right now we're dealing with the killing of black young men and women in Colombia because they're the ones leading like younger folks led the Black Lives Matter call here last year after George Floyd. It's it's Afro-Colombian, black Colombian youth that are in the front, you know, speaking in the in some of the things that uh, President Ivan Duque is doing in Colombia and, and people are dying for raising their voice. So Latin America is also in, in a massive conflict of having to hear Las Vidas Negras Importa, uh, Black Lives Matter. I wanna, in, in the context of the movie, and, and you said something very poignant about people in, embracing, you know, the European culture, even though that was a conquest, everybody there was enslaved. Mm -hmm. All right, and, and see that to me is a reflection, and you're a school teacher. Everybody in Congress voted for Juneteenth holiday, mm -hmm. but those same people don't want the history of Juneteenth taught in school, taught in school. So this is literally forked tongue, mm -hmm. as people said. And the ancestors in the Dominican and Haiti, and Haiti were, were indigenous people, but I didn't even get into all that. Isn't the, the lack of true teaching of the history also a contributor to this confusion, the uh, lack of representation in the movie. Um, I mean, isn't that a part of it as well? If if there were 
um, more teaching, more historical knowledge and emphatic acknowledgement of the truth, the period of enslavement, that all those people came either from Africa or were indigenous people that connected with the Africans in 1300 before Columbus got lost. If all of that was taught, wouldn't that make a difference, don't you think? I mean, I believe so. And that's why I mentioned that all of us have blind spots, all of us. You know, even as a black Dominican, I need to acknowledge what are my blind spots about black American culture as I moved in this, in, in you know, here, because I, I am an immigrant, you know, and I always remind my friends, I'm like, remember, I wasn't born here. So you, so I need you to educate me, you know? And so it, it is, and that is why we're doing this conversation. That's why we're here. We're here not so much to spend time just criticizing the movie, but highlighting the areas that need to be noted and that need to change. And that's part of the education. That's part of, of, of removing the blinders that the many people walk um, through their days having, some of them by sheer ignorance, some of them by choice, you know, and hopefully um, by, by doing the educating, then those who claim ignorance can no longer do that. Uh, this, this also is an opportunity for African-Americans to also see themselves in Latin American history in the sense of the connection with people of African descent. So you having us here is Latin America needs to see it, but my deeper conversation is for African-Americans to not dismiss my blackness, my Africanness when you hear me speak Spanish. Because it's not until that moment we have been moving in the same way. Um, so I think history needs to be taught. I'm in a very unique position as a Panamanian born in the American territory under American law, segregation, Jim Crow. So I lived an American perspective, walked across the streets and lived the Panamanian perspective and also come from of a, a, a grandparents of Caribbean descent who were the construction, the builders of the Panama Canal. Let's not get it twisted. We built that. Um, so my whole thing is when I came here and there was this dismissal of, of that connection that, that I understood that I, my parents lived a version of this and, you know, with, with what Americans imposed in this territory, you know, um, I, our schools did not desegregate. I came from a black community, segregated black community, Rainbow City, the best place in the world, where I saw black nurses, black doctors, black firefighters, black police officers. You know, it wasn't until 78, 79 when the areas were desegregated that we started to see white folks. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. the all of that, when these moments show up, this is not about standing and going, ah, you forgot to say, you know, to, to, to show us. You forgot to, to mention us. No, it's about you forgot to show us. You forgot to mention us. Here we are. And by the way, you need to know this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. The film is a point of entry right now to the ongoing conversation that Anne and I have been part of leading in Boston and nationally. So the, this is the same conversation we've been having. The film just opens it up 
for both all sides to pay attention all sides white folks needs to stop thinking that latinos and and other black people are the safe black people and treating the african americans as if though they're the worst ones i've been in spaces where people have been talking about me as if though i'm african american and as soon as i say i am you know an, an immigrant um even though i'm an immigrant with an american context you know they're like oh <clears throat> And what that says to me is, oh, you're not all these negative terms that gets placed on African-Americans that we live until people realize that, you know, I'm not uh, in what their version of it. I'm not, So we need to stop that. Africans, Afro-descendants, Black Latinos, Black uh, Africans that come to this country need to stop looking down on the African-American story and figure out that they're living African-American lives as soon as they walk out their door because nobody know I'm from Panama or Anne is from Santo Domingo when we walk out in the street. Yeah, the, the police didn't ask Amadou Diallo or Abner Nwima whether they were African-American. And and as you all know, that's, that's one of my things with those in this black nativist movement that ADOS promoted, you know, saying that uh, uh, reparations don't apply. We want reparations to apply to everyone who's been affected by the period of enslavement and its vestiges, which includes you yes. right here along with me. And yes. frankly, we're on this clubhouse medium, and I'll say this out loud, there are too many doggone rooms on clubhouse, African versus African-American. Mm -hmm. And some, there's an agenda on the part of some to push that, to divide us for that purpose. And I don't care what anybody says, y'all gonna say whatever you wanna say about me anyway, but it is wrong. Uh, Pan-Africanism is the key. We are the diaspora. The only reason, uh, I'm, I'm not from where the two of you are from or look like you and well, I can never look like you anyway, but uh, but <laughs> two beautiful sisters is because my ancestors got taken off the boat a little bit later. And the only reason y'all ain't sitting up here looking like me is because your ancestors got off the boat earlier. So, I mean, let's let's stop being so ridiculous and silly um, about all of this. And as far as the movie is concerned, clearly, y'all, if people don't get it, I'll even say this to, to, to white folks right now. Y'all complain about Hollywood. There's a certain type of white woman actress they want on the screen. You know that. If you don't look a certain way, if you don't weigh but 70 pounds, you ain't getting on that screen. The industry itself encourages discrimination up and down, and it defines acceptable beauty. And who's making those decisions? Is it women? Is it people of color? It's a bunch of old, big, fat, white dudes who own these studios. They make the decision. Oh, this is what this has to look like. This is what'll sell. This is what'd be acceptable. And the interesting about, uh, to me too, Queens, is that what's funny about it is we are the people who spend the most money watching these movies, but they still try to make them palatable to white folk who don't even spend as much money as as we do on the movie. So whoever was doing the, the, the demographics on this really got it all uh, uh, messed up. Do, do you all accept the apologies that Lin-Manuel and, and Rita Moreno have, have offered? Do are, are they meaningful? Are they hollow? Are, are they something to build upon? I, I think Lin Manuel's was something to build upon uh, because I think he has uh, made an effort um, 
throughout what I have seen uh, to to show that. Um, you know, um, Rita Moreno, with all due respect, I thought it was her I, I, an absolutely normal generational response of what that meant and her response um, in her naming saying Black Lives Matter was interesting, but I'm, I wasn't surprised. I think the conversation in her time was let's just get Latinos in the door. Um, and that's where she was sitting in her truth in response. Um, because I really, I know of friends who are coming out as Afro Latinas and Afro Latinos who are in struggle with their parents, who want their parents to come along with them. I know folks that are not talking to their parents because their parents are holding the position, living with blackness in their home, holding the position of Miss uh, Rita Moreno. So her response was historically um, and generationally <laughs> what the conversation was. Um, but it's no longer that. It's You cannot be walking out in the street and as a Latino saying Black Lives Matter when you are not acknowledging Black lives within. And what what's next? Where do we go from here? This conversation is taking place, which I think is a great thing. I mean, everybody's talking about this. Yes, uh, it's raising a lot of questions. So I think that's good. But so where do where, what's next? Where do we go from here? How can we build upon this? How can we use this moment so that it's not just a moment, but we can build on it, grow from it, learn from it, change curricula, all of that. Um, where do we go from here? Oof. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that that the that the pressure then is put upon those of us who are saying this is not right. Um, where it goes from here depends upon those who who created this. Um, that has caused us to, to reclaim what needs to be reclaimed. You know, when you asked, you know, was the, is the, do you accept the apology? I don't know yet. I'll have to see. There, there are far too many people who, who in the industry who do things and then apologize and said, oh, I didn't know. Um, so I'll have to see what happens in the, next, in the next few years. What happens is that we need to continue to have these conversations from a point of view of history and a point of view of teaching and, and, you know, it is a marathon. Yvette has been doing this for over 20 years. Um, you know, it's not a short sprint and it's not supposed to be trendy. So what we do is that we continue to remind people that this is not trendy. I just want to add to what Anne said, you know, like this is, this is life. So where do we go from here? We keep living it and we keep raising it and we keep speaking on it and we keep being it um and unapologetic about it you know this is not um i was given this gift and this responsibility um by those whose shoulders i stand on so until we are seen you know mark we do reparations work and the we always say it's a long haul this is if in the context of this latino community and this latino nest that sits in whiteness it's also the conversation about reparative justice it's yeah. time to repair so the conversation needs to the same way we're asking white america to engage in repairing you know those they have enslaved and the continued 
inequity that exists in this country, it's the same where we're saying, you know what, Latinos, you ain't off the hook. <laughs> you need to join in that conversation because what you have done within is dismiss the blackness within. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's very important. This has been a great conversation. We need to do this more often. Uh, I see no difference between any of us. We all must get to that that place, that that mentality, and 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 really uh, commit um, colorism, suicide, commit classism, suicide. All of that has to happen for us to move forward. Uh, and, and, and as I said, we all come from the same place. We all come from Africa, ultimately. And we will we'll just have to do a whole nother show on, on Catholicism because a lot of people don't even know that comes from ancient comedic spiritual ritual. All right. Folks get mad when I say that. So a lot of folks wrap this up in a faith that they think came from uh, the white man. It didn't either. Um, but this is a great conversation. I hope we can continue to build and grow from this. And we must absolutely be in solidarity with our African sisters and brothers across the globe at this hour in particular yes. with the Afro-Panamanian community, the Afro-Dominican community, the entire Afro-Latino, Latina, Latinx world uh, is what we must do. Um, and I wanna thank uh, my guest, um, Yvette said it's taking her a long time to get on my show. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to reach Yvette though. It's hard to call her sometime, man. She don't know where I'm calling. I might call him to put her on the show, and she to, she put me the voicemail. I'm in the Zoom. I'm in the Zoom. <laughs> I might be calling you to put you on MSNBC, so you might have missed something. I bet she has the phone. <laughs> and I'm not going to act too crazy because we mean for the first time. I don't want you to think I'm crazy. But um, um, I want to thank you both, uh, sisters. Uh, thank, you. thank you for your your um, your strength and and your power. And I did call you beautiful, but I want to be clear, folks. That ain't no physical thing. These sisters are conscious. They are working every day in the struggle for our people, be it reparations, social justice, whatever the case uh, may be. That is what is attractive. We need more people on that time. Um, and so we want to wish everyone a happy Juneteenth. Yes. But Juneteenth ain't no time for celebration. It's time. For, don't just give me no holiday and yes. you not give me no reparations. Yes. Some members of Congress come Mark, you shouldn't have said that on TV. You, you should don't be you, you call the wrong person now. Don't tell me what not to say because that's not what we're here for. You're not going to buy me off with a holiday. People haven't been marching in the streets for a holiday. They've been marching in the streets for justice. All last summer was not about a holiday. Thank you, but we want more. We want teeth in these laws. We want protection. We want the right to vote. We want all of those things. We want better. This is a whole other subject sometimes, folks. We want better foreign relations with the diaspora, with the Caribbean, this country still maintains hegemony, capitalist power over all these nations. So we won't get in all that now, but we will deal with all that. But folks, uh, let's wake up, let's use this movie as an opportunity to heal, to talk within our communities, and we appreciate you both, okay? Thanks, Mark, for having us. Thank you, thank you both. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.